Hello, hello, and welcome to today's episode. I am coming from a newly lit office at 6 p.m. I've been waiting for the last couple of hours for our electricity to come back on, which is um, one of the unexpected, strangely, perks of living in El Salvador. Sometimes the electricity goes off, which at first I was kind of like, this really sucks. But honestly, I really enjoy it because it forces me to pause and to reflect and just to slow down. I spent a couple hours just like reading a novel. And before that, I had felt like really just frazzled and and kind of lost. So anyway, it, it, it's one of the unexpected benefits of, of living here. And I don't know if y'all can hear it, but there's like roosters sounding off, even though it's like 6 p.m. But <laughs> anyway, with all that said... I was thinking today about a quote that you've probably heard. I've definitely heard it a few times in my life, but it goes like this. It says, if you want something different, you have to do something different. If you want something different, you have to do something different. And I think that this is true, obviously, in different areas of life, but when it comes to your personal finance this is golden. You know, there there are many people who think that they can just keep doing the same thing and eventually things will work out. I saw a statistic once also where a lot of people think they're going to win the lottery. You know, I, I know that those dreams are important to some, but if you are in a place where you can practically make changes in your life to actually move towards your financial goals, you know, that's really where you want to be, right? So the point though, is that if you want something different, if you're at a place with your finances where you want something different, you have to do something different. So today I wanted to talk about 10 steps that most people will not take that actually make all the difference. Hey, my name is Jessica Tolar and I'm obsessed with all things passive income, productivity, entrepreneurship, and building a life where you make the rules. I'm a normal girl who took a free money class, asked a corporate executive how she retired early, and used that knowledge to build a seven-figure net worth, quit my nine-to-five, and now run an online business from countries around the world. I teach you the simple but effective secrets to building a life you adore. Think I'm special? No way. If I did it, so can you. Money, mindset, life hacks, hardship, growth, and planning are all topics we discuss here. Think of this as a weekly coffee date with a close girlfriend where you talk about the finance and business knowledge it'll take to make your dreams a reality. So take a seat, get comfortable, and prepare to be challenged and cheered on while you learn. This is the Goodbye July Podcast. This year is all about self-care, reprioritizing ourselves and our well-being in our own lives and taking back control of our time in order to make space for the things that feel good to us. I hope your financial self-care makes your list, and that's why I'll be hosting a free one-hour wealth workshop. Join me as we walk through three secrets to building lasting wealth, plus the single most important step to cracking the financial code. I could say I'm too busy with other things, or I could make space for this in my schedule. And this year, I'll be doing both. I will prioritize myself as well as my other commitments. I hope you'll do the same by joining me for one hour of financial self-care. Learn more at jessicatoller.com slash free workshop. Okay, let's get back to today's episode. So let's jump in. 
Okay, 10 steps that most people won't take that make all the difference. Number one, pick your single source of truth. Okay, pick your single source of truth. What that means, it means pick one and only one place that you are going to keep all of your financial information. All right, the idea here is to get organized. Okay, it's one of the things that makes a huge, huge, huge difference when you're trying to hit your financial goals is honestly just starting with organization. And in order to do that, you need to pick one place where you're going to keep all your information. And I'm not talking about passwords and all that stuff. Like, yeah, that's not safe. Don't put all your passwords in one place. But I'm talking about just a list of all your stuff, like your expenses, your income, uh, all of your bank accounts. You know, as we get older, we all have more and more bank accounts, more and more credit card accounts, different loans, whether you got student loans, mortgage, credit card loans, just you need one place where you're going to keep all of this information so that you can just get organized. Okay. I like to say it's your, uh, the place where you write your financial story. All right. One place. I personally, I like a spreadsheet. I know that freaks some people out. So it doesn't have to be a spreadsheet. Maybe it's a word document or a PowerPoint or even a journal if you really have to do it that way. But I do recommend doing it on the computer because if you ever need to search for something, you can use the search functionality, control F to find stuff within your single source of truth. If you're looking for stuff, um, it it tends to be easier. And I really recommend using a spreadsheet if you can, or if you're not afraid of them, because a lot of the spreadsheet functionality, a lot of the math can be done for you. You can automate a lot of stuff. But the point is, if you know you don't like spreadsheets, don't use a spreadsheet. Use a Word doc or a PowerPoint or even a journal. Just keep all of your financial information a list of your accounts, your expenses, your income, et cetera, whatever, you got to pick one place. All right. One place, one single source of truth and commit to that one place. Cause if you say this week, Oh, I'm going to keep it in my journal. And next week you're like, actually, I want to put it on the computer. I'm going to try a word doc. And then you're like, uh, actually, like, I think I can do the spreadsheet. Then you got, you got your shits all over the place again. Okay. You got to pick one place, pick one place and stick to it. All right. You got to pick one place, stick to it, pick your single source of truth. So that is step number one. Step number two, I touched on this, but just so so we're very clear. Step number two is write down every single financial account you can think of. So this is bank accounts. This is credit card accounts. This is loans. This is, if you're investing, this is your different brokerage accounts. This is your retirement accounts. If you have a 401k or an IRA in the US, or if you're outside the US and you have some other kind of account, write it down here. If you have health savings accounts, write it down here. Whether or not you know, like your login or the balance or whatever, the first things first, like just write down your account. You know, I got a bank account at, let's say, Wells Fargo. I got another one at Chase. I got another one at this credit union. Write those down. Do you have a credit card with Capital One? or maybe with Chase or Wells Fargo, you know, whatever, write them all down. You got to get them all in one place. Just write, write them down. So you don't forget about them. Okay. Write down every single account that you can think of literally every single one. All right. Step number three, pull your credit report. (laughs) I hesitated because this is another one of those things that freaks people out. I, I, I don't know why. I mean, I guess, I guess a little bit, it can be scary. Like the first time, um, and before, I guess before we go into that, let me just explain. If you're not familiar with a credit report, first of all, it's free. So don't worry about that. But second of all, what it is, if you live in the U.S., there are three three different credit bureaus, okay? It, they're Experian, 
Equifax, and TransUnion. And what this is, is these are, they're credit bureaus, that's what they're called, but they're organizations that list every single uh, credit card account, bank account, loan, you name it, whatever the kind of government has on file for you, this is where you see that. So in step two, you're writing down every single account that you can remember. But in step three, you're going to pull your credit report to see what basically the government has on file for you so that you can capture any of the accounts that you missed. All right. So all you're going to do is pick one. Let's say you pick Experian, go to www.experian.com. And it's very simple. You make up you on the homepage, you're going to see like make an account or log in. If you happen to have an account, log in, click and get your free credit report, pull that credit report, just follow the steps. It's going to ask you for some uh, personal information. It's it, just fill it out, pull your credit report. And when you get the report, it'll also give you your credit score. That's, that's good to know in your single source of truth, write it down, put the date on it. You know, you want to check this a few times a year. Um, you can see if your credit score goes up. But what you're really looking for, for the sake of today's conversation, is all of the accounts and the loans that are on file for you, okay? Now, pull the report. It Depending on sort of where you're at in your financial journey, it can be a page, two pages. It might be eight pages. Whatever it is, just, just pull that credit report. You can do it with any one of the bureaus. Um, I think they all give you a free report per year, okay? So step number four, like I said... As you go through your credit report, what you are looking for is any accounts that you missed capturing in step number two, when you were writing down all the accounts, your bank accounts, your credit card accounts, your loans, all that stuff. When you're going through your credit report, you want to look for anything that you missed. These are things that you forgot about. I mean, we all have different accounts, even us still to this day, have accounts that we've opened that we forgot about that, you know, Maybe you owe money on, maybe you don't, but it's hurting your credit. What, like whatever it is, you just need to you just need to know about it, right? That's the point of pulling the credit report. So go ahead and write down anything that you missed that you now see in your credit report. Go ahead and write that down in your single source of truth. Number five, you want to document your regular monthly bills. Okay. The goal here, like I said, we're trying to get organized. You want to get all of your accounts in one place. You want to get all your loans in one place. That's why we put the credit report. But what is arguably even more important is understanding what it's costing you to live every month. So the first part of that is to document your regular monthly bills. And here's what I mean by that. So regular monthly bills are things that you know are coming every single month. They're usually the same price every month. And they usually happen at the same time every month. So think about like your rent or your mortgage, maybe a car payment, maybe your internet, uh, maybe your phone bill's the same every month, whatever those regular expenses. And I, I'm talking about everything. Okay. You know, you, you already listed all your accounts. You know where your accounts are. You can dig through these things and you can see what's reoccurring. A lot of uh, different accounts like credit cards and bank accounts, they now have a filter for things like um, recurring payments or subscriptions. You can click on those. You can see what you got. I'm talking about Netflix, Spotify, Apple TV, Hulu, you, you know, like all of them. Let's write them down. The regular monthly bills that are happening every single month that are, again, usually about the same price every month, recurring on the same day every month. Get all of those written down in your single source of truth. 
Number six, you want to capture all of your current savings as well. Okay. So we're trying to get your full financial picture here. And like I said, these are 10 steps that people won't do. The idea behind this is to kind of get organized, figure out what you're spending, what you're saving, what you're making, because ultimately we talk about this a lot. Ultimately the goal is to get your emergency fund figured out and then start investing as much as you can into as many things as possible. Right. But in order to even get to that point, you got to take these 10 steps. And that's why I said a lot of people don't do that. That's why a lot of people aren't saving. A lot of people are investing because it's kind of a pain to do all this, honestly, but those who will do it, those who do it, they rise to the top and they are successful with their finances. So part of that is, like I said, step number six, capture all your savings. So one of the big goals in finance, personal finance is to have an emergency fund saved up. Okay. So we want to know how much you currently have in your savings. And again, if you got a bunch of different accounts, maybe you have a bunch of different savings accounts. You need to get all of that written into your single source of truth. Go through, see what your current savings is at. Okay. Money that you have saved and write that down. Step number seven. This one is going to take a bit of time. Okay. This one, you're going to track your variable monthly spending. So here's what I mean by that. So you've already written down kind of your regular monthly expenses. Again, those are the things that you can count on every month. They're going to hit They're the same price, usually hitting the same day. Your variable spending, that's different. That is, think, when you go out to eat. So bars and restaurants and maybe you go shopping or maybe you're getting your nails done or your hair done, like traveling, whatever that is. Um, you need to, you're going to have to track that. I really like people to track. I like them to track at least two months, three months is better. All right. Because the idea here is that you want to see sort of like what's normal for you. So like maybe this month you're taking a trip. That's not usually for people. That's not normal. Usually that's like a once in a while type thing. So you wouldn't want to just track for one month and be like, Oh, well I spent like, I don't know, $1,500 on my variable expenses, 700 of which was a plane ticket. You're not going to say that's normal for you because that was, like I said, sort of like a special treat. So you want to track this for maybe like three months and kind of see what's actually normal for me in terms of my variable spending, my, my fun money. That's what I like to call this, my fun money. So this is everything outside of all of those regular expenses that you go and you play with and you have fun. And, uh, I will also say this, this does include things that aren't quote unquote, quote unquote as fun. So like your variable bills as well. So like think things that change depending on your usage. So electric and water for some of us, this is our phone bill. Definitely gas for your car. That's a big one. You need to track that and the grocery store too. Um, so those are all sort of what I would call regular expenses, but they are variable. It depends on how much you're using per month. So that plus all your fun stuff, you need to track that for about three months. And the goal is for each thing. So you'll have a line item in your single source of truth for groceries, a line item for gas, a line item for electricity, a line item for water. Um, You need to track it, like I said, for three months, see what you're spending and then take the average. So to take the average, you'll add up the three expenditures across the different three months and you'll divide it by three. And you're going to use that as kind of your average. You want to see what your expenses are. So you got your regular monthly bills. Those stay the same. So you don't really have to track those. You need to get the averages for those variable monthly bills. So that way you can add the two of those together, your regular monthly fixed expenses and your variable monthly spending. So you can really get a feel for what 
your total spending is each month. So you need to track that. Honestly, the longer the better. If you're like really into tracking and it's going really well for you, keep tracking every month and keep taking the average. That's what I do. I mean, I'm in my my single source of truth very, very regularly. Uh, easier way to think of this is your budget. I'm in my budget spreadsheet all the time. And every time we get a bill, if it's variable, I'll add it to the I'll add it to the list. I'll divide it by one more number and I'll continue to keep the average. That's an easier way to say it. I will continue to keep the average of all of our variable bills because the longer, like the better you can get at tracking and just the more present you are in your spending and the better averages you can get, the more you can organize your money and really use it to build those, build those savings, build out those investments and uh, honestly just create a life of more freedom, which is what we're all kind of working for, right? So seven, that's step number seven. That's a big one. Track your variable monthly spending. Step number eight, you got to write it down. So that's, that's the whole separate part, right? Tracking is one thing, but you got to document it. You got to go back to your single source of truth and document it. And while we're still on the subject of variable spending, there's different ways you can track. I'm old school. I like to just keep receipts and then I have a basket on my desk Literally every day when I come home, I just like throw all my receipts in the basket. And then once a week, I'll go through and I will add all of my expenses into my single source of truth, my budget spreadsheet, right? So that's how I do it. Other ways to do it, there are, there's a method that I tell people it's called just using one card. So like I said, you've already gone through all of your accounts, you know, the debit cards you have, you know, the credit cards you have. If you're going to be in this period of tracking your spending, just pick one card and put all of your variable spending on that card. And that way, when you sit down at the end of the month to look at what you've been spending and to get your averages, you only have to log into one place. Again, it's kind of similar to your single source of truth with the one card and the receipt. The idea here is to just have one place where you can look to track that variable spending. That makes it easier for you and it makes it more likely for you to stick with it. And then the third technique for the variable spending tracking is sort of like, um, it's sort of like a digital form of the receipt basket we just talked about. So what that would look like is when you're out in your life spending your money, spending your variable money, you just take a photo of your receipt. And then I like to hit the, I like to favorite it. If you're not familiar with that, it's the little star at the top of your photo. And that way it automatically puts your receipt photos into a folder. And so at the end of the week or at the end of the month, whenever you're sitting down to add these into your single source of truth and taking the averages of those, all you have to do is you go into your favorites, your favorites photo folder on your phone, and it has all of your receipts there for you ready to be added into your single source of truth. So those are kind of three ways you can do it. But again, step seven, track it, make sure you're tracking it, keeping track of that, whatever you choose, the receipt basket, the using the one card or taking photos and favoriting them, track them, and then make sure you're writing them down. I like to tell people when you're tracking, it's really best to do it once a week because it's less overwhelming that way. But some people can do it, you know, sit down once a month and go through the whole month, whatever, like, you know, yourself best, whatever you are going to do. And just be honest with yourself, whatever you're going to do, you pick at the end of the week, if that's more, more, feasible for you, do it that way. At the end of the month, if that's better, do it that way. Whatever works for you, you just got to be honest with yourself. Step number nine, document your monthly income. So everything we've kind of been doing to this point has been writing down accounts and writing down your savings and then your expenses. That's the big one, right? But we also need to know how much you are bringing in. So 
your monthly income. If you work for a single employer, this will be a little bit easier than maybe other people who have multiple sources of income. So if you work for a single employer, or even if you have other sources of income, if you have an employer, just go ahead and log into your bank account where you get paid. And uh, depending on how often you get paid, basically you're looking for what is deposited into your bank account per month from your employer. Okay. Write that down. And then if you have other streams of income, whatever that is, maybe you have an Airbnb or maybe you have an Etsy store. Maybe you have a side hustle or you nanny on the side or pet sit, whatever that is. Add that into your monthly income line item. Um, just try to capture everything. If you're one of those people who has a lot of sources of income, trust me, I get that. Just try to get as accurate as a accurate of a picture as you possibly can. That's the goal here. Okay. So document your monthly income, what, what you're taking home, like after taxes and everything, what is actually deposited into your account. That's what we're looking for here. And then step number 10 is to calculate your cash flow or in layman's terms, what we're trying to get to is we're trying to figure out how much money you have left over at the end of each month. Okay. And truthfully, that's step 10. Like I said, 10 steps that people, most people won't do that do make all the difference. This is really the goal of the 10 steps. What you're trying to do here with your single source of truth, looking at all of your accounts, calculating your expenses, your savings, your income, you are trying to figure out how much money do you have left over at the end of each month? That is your goal in getting organized. That is your goal in building a single source of truth. You want to know how much money you have left over at the end of each month. How much are you making? Subtract from that how much you're spending. And that is your cash flow. That is how much you have left over at the end of the, each month. And here's why this is important, okay? The reason this is so important is because knowing how much you have left over at the end of each month dictates your next step. Like this is literally like a treasure map that reveals the next clue into building lasting wealth. Okay. And there are actually, okay. So when it comes to cash flow, there are three different scenarios. You can have a negative cash flow. You can have a zero cash flow, which is rare, but it can happen. Or you can have a positive cash flow. And once you know what your cash flow is, then you will know what steps to take next. So let's just walk through these really quickly before we end this episode, okay? So like I said, three different examples or three different scenarios of what might happen once you calculate your cash flow. Number one, negative. Let's say let's say you bring home, like in your account, you, your employer or from your side hustles, whatever it is, you are making $3,000 a month. And let's say after you go through the 10 steps we just talked about, you realize that you are spending $4,000 each month. That means you have a negative cash flow. 3,000 minus 4,000, that's a negative number. You have a negative $1,000 cash flow. So that right there tells you what your next step is, okay? Your next step would be to decrease your expenses or increase your income so that your cash flow becomes positive. The entire point of this whole thing is to make sure that your cash flow is positive. And then we'll talk about what you would do after that once we get to that example. But the, the point here, example one, if you have a negative cash flow, you want to decrease your expenses and or increase your income. The good news is you now have a list of every single one of your expenses. You can go through that list and you can say, eh, I don't really need Netflix, HBO, Hulu, Disney Plus, da 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 Maybe I can just have Netflix and you can delete those subscriptions. Or 
maybe I don't need Stitch Fix and Rent the Runway and like all these other clothing, clothing services. Maybe I can just have one or maybe I don't even need those at all. You now have a full list of everything you're spending money on. So if you realize that you have a negative cash flow, it's going to be really easy for you to go through your list of expenses and get rid of the stuff that you really don't want or that you're not using or that's no longer serving you. So that's example one, if you have a negative cash flow. Example two, if you have a $0 cash flow, again, like I said, it's rare, but let's talk through this. Say again, say you're making $3,000 a month. Say after you go through these 10 steps, you realize that you spend $3,000 a month. That means your cash flow is zero. You're honestly in a better place than you would be if you had a negative cash flow, because in that scenario, you're overspending in the scenario, you're just spending exactly as much as you're making. But still, like I said, your goal is to have a positive cash flow so that you can really grow in your financial journey. So again, if you have a $0 cash flow, again, your, your next step is going to be to decrease those expenses or increase your income so that your cash flow becomes positive. And like we just talked about, you now have your list of expenses. That's a lot easier than, you know, taking on another job or whatever. I, I highly recommend that people work on first decreasing their expenses before they put time and energy into increasing their income. So go through your expenses, see what you can cut. If you have a $0 cash flow, it's pretty easy to get it to be positive because you can just cut some of those expenses. And example number three, which is the scenario you really want to be in and which those 10 steps that we talked about can tell you is if you have a positive cash flow. So that would mean, again, say you're making $3,000 a month. And say after you go through those 10 steps, you realize you're spending $2,500 each month. That means you are spending less than you are making. That means your cash flow is positive. And in this example, your cash flow is positive $500. So what you would do here, this is, again, this is what you want, right? You will use your leftover money to essentially make you more money, okay? You are like, when you have a positive cash flow, you're ready to start building lasting wealth, the high level of this, and I, I dive deeper into this in, in my free workshop in different areas, but the high level of this is you're going to use your extra cash flow to first and foremost, save yourself an emergency fund. All that means is three to six months worth of your living expenses, which you now know because you've gone through the 10 steps that most people won't go through that really do make all the difference. Now you know how much it costs you to live for a month of your life. So in this scenario, like I said, $2,500, that's what it costs you to live. So you would multiply that by three to six, kind of depending on what your preference is. Let's just say it's three. That means your emergency fund goal is 2,500 times three. That's 7,500. So you're going to put that extra, the positive cash flow that you have left over, 500. You're going to save $500 a month until you have $7,500. Then you have your emergency fund built. You put that somewhere safe, savings account, better yet, a high yield savings account. And from there, you've already built in this habit of saving $500 a month. So essentially you just reroute that savings from your emergency fund and you're going to reroute it and you're going to put it into investments. So now you've built a, you have a positive cash flow, you've built your emergency fund, you've built a habit around saving money every single month. And now you've rerouted that savings into your investments, whether that's stock market or real estate or crypto or your own business, like whatever that looks like for you. There's so many different things you can invest in. The point is, you know, your numbers, you know, your cash flow is positive. You built your emergency fund and you are now investing. So that was a lot of information really, really fast, but please hear me. 
Those 10 steps that we talked about, that is the most critical piece of all of this. It is literally, like I said, it is your treasure map to building lasting wealth. You got to pick the single source of truth. You got to write down all of your expenses, all of your different accounts. You got to write down your savings. You got to calculate your income. And ultimately the goal of the 10 steps is to figure out your cash flow so you can figure out what you have to do to make sure that it's positive, save your emergency fund and start investing. So that was essentially a crash course in pretty much how to build lasting wealth. Okay. Like that's, I mean, that's really all there is to it. Like, of course, every situation is different. If you have debt, we should talk about that. If you have, I don't know, credit card debt is different than like student loan debt. And if you have specific goals, like you want to buy a house soon, there's all these other pieces to it as well. But honestly, it all starts with those 10 steps. Every single thing that you want to accomplish when it comes to personal finance, it starts with those 10 steps. Okay. Now, if this is something that was interesting to you, um, I would love it if you used my budget template as your single source of truth. Like I said, I use the word single source of truth because the most important thing is that you keep all of this information in one place. But I have a specific budget template that I've personally been using for 10 years. I have two versions of it too. If you want a PDF version, if that's more your style, I have that. If you are okay with spreadsheets, like I generally recommend people use the spreadsheet because it's automated. It'll do the calculations for you. I also have that. You can get that at jessicatoller.com slash what's my budget. Okay. I would love it if you use that. I swear by it. It has served me so well for years and years and years. And it's the first bookmark on my bookmarks bar. Every time I log into my drive, it's like the most accessed document. I use it almost daily, definitely once a month. Corey and I have our conversation, our monthly like planning conversations using this budget spreadsheet. It's a godsend. And I I hope it's free. It's totally free. And I hope it helps you out. So Number one, grab that for sure. And number two, if you really are more interested in kind of deep diving into building wealth and like looking more into these steps and really digging into what it takes to kind of go through all of this and to get the cash flow and to save and to build the investments, all of that stuff, I am doing, it's it's new. As, as I'm recording this, my, um, my workshop, which I'm about to tell you about, it's, it's new. And I've been running it for a month now. I have some more sessions coming up in a few weeks, but you can learn more about that at jessicatolar.com slash free workshop. And if you join that, you'll hear a lot of uh, the same information. We'll go through these 10 steps, but you'll also get um, three secrets to easily building, three secrets to easily building lasting wealth. Um, so that's information beyond what we've covered here today. But You'll get the three secrets to building lasting wealth. You'll get the single most important step to cracking the financial code. And then we will also walk through these 10 steps there as well. But um, it's new. It's free. So far, the feedback has been really good. Um, I would love it if you would join that. So jessicatoller.com slash free workshop. And again, if you want the template or you want to try it on your own, jessicatoller.com slash what's my budget. Whatever you do, however you keep hold of your finances, I really encourage you to just pick one spot, get all your information listed there, calculate your cash flow, and figure out how to get it to be positive. Um, but if you want my budget template, promise you it's very helpful. So hope to see you grabbing the template. Uh, if, beyond that, I hope to see you joining the, the free workshop. And however you go about this, I hope this information was helpful. I really, really think that everyone is capable of mastering their money and to truly building a life 
worth living and a life that they deserve that's full of freedom and happiness and choice. Congratulations on finishing another episode of the Goodbye July podcast. If you want more, head over to jessicatoller.com slash podcast for show notes and any resources mentioned in today's episode. Don't forget to rate the show, hit subscribe so you never miss an episode, and share it with a friend. I believe in a world where we're all financially free, so let's help each other get there. Thanks again for tuning in, and I'll see you on the next episode of the Goodbye July podcast.